Welcome to the Health and Wellness Show, everybody. Today is Friday, August 12th, 2016. Uh, my name is Jonathan. I'll be your host for today. Joining me in our virtual studio from all over the planet, we have Doug, Tiffany, and Elliot. Hey, guys. Good morning. Hello. Hey. Hey. So uh, today we are going to be talking about oral hygiene, minding your mouth and natural ways to keep your teeth clean. Um, or I guess to keep your teeth, just to keep them at all. Keep them in your mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you've ever wondered if our modern methods of oral hygiene and dental care are causing us more harm than good, uh, generally they are. Um, despite all the advancements in dental technology, uh, teeth are actually getting worse, uh, generally. Uh, so we're going to talk about uh, general care, uh, natural ways that you can take care of your teeth, um, flossing, mercury amalgams, fluoride, root canals, uh, all, you know, the, uh, the kind of standard medical approaches as well. Um, so, yeah, over the... If we narrow down some more natural ways to take care of your teeth so you don't have to visit the dentist as often, mm -hmm. uh, if ever, hopefully. But uh, <laughs> I guess let's uh, let's start off. Um, maybe we can relate a little bit with guys' fillings. I do, and I have not yet had the chance to have them removed, so it's kind of a nagging thing in the back of my mind. You kind of cut out there for a minute. Did you say mercury? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, mercury fillings. I I do have uh, a couple amalgam fillings, and I've not uh, yet had the chance to to have them removed. And you know, it kind of bugs me. And every time I watch that that documentary where they show the mercury vapors coming off, I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, I don't have any. I never had any mercury fillings or anything. I never had any fillings at all, actually. Me. Either. I was uh, fortunate in that um, my mom kind of fed me right from a young age. So, um, yeah, I, I, I was extremely fortunate in that respect. I don't have any, uh, any cavities or anything like that. I haven't had any major, um, oral issues. I had my wisdom teeth out at one point, but other than that, I'm pretty, pretty cool in my mouth. Which is yeah, good. I was lucky not to say that my mother fed me right. I think I was just lucky <laughs> and, uh, she didn't really take us to the dentist either. <laughs> so, <laughs> really? <laughs> I had a, I had one, but it's it's not an amalgam filling. It's um, it's one of the composite ones. It's made of white ceramic. Um, oh, but I'm I'm not sure what that's actually got in it. Um, BPA. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I kind of thought I thought I was lucky. My mom thought she was doing the the best thing when I was younger because she didn't want me to have the mercury in the fillings. <laughs> but um, but. As we'll probably get onto a little bit later, uh, the the porcelain ones aren't aren't all that safe. <laughs> yeah. What uh, I guess when was the last time that you guys were to the dentist? I I haven't been in, huh. in years. Jeez, I think it's been uh, seven years, maybe longer. Mine has yeah. been sporadic. I went sporadically as an adult once I got dental insurance, and I did have braces as a teenager, but I don't think during that time at all I had my teeth cleaned. But uh, no. last time I had my teeth cleaned was a few years ago, and it doesn't seem oh. to make any difference whether I get my teeth cleaned or not. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm more like Jonathan. I think I'm 
jeez, uh, man, it, it's it's close to twenty years at this point. I maybe not quite that long, but, <laughs> like 15, but I yeah, I have not been to the dentist in ages, and you know, I can't say as my teeth are any worse off for it. At least from what I can see or feel, I've they, seen uh, your teeth, Doug. You've got nice teeth. Yeah, yeah they've <laughs> got a nice mouth on you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I guess we're probably going to get into this, but I actually question really how much a dentist is actually doing in a lot of cases. Um, I mean, I don't have any cavities or anything like that. So, I mean, going and getting a thorough cleaning, I guess, isn't necessarily a bad thing. But, um, you know, I think my toothbrush probably does a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I, had, I, I was going to a dentist fairly regularly when I had dental insurance, but uh, I haven't had dental insurance in ages. So, that's why I haven't gone. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, like, how often did our ancestors go to the dentist? They didn't. Yeah. And our distant ancestors, they didn't even brush their teeth, and they had better teeth than we do. Like, if you look back through Weston A. Price's photographs, I think one of them might be in our slideshow, maybe. Mm. No, it doesn't look like it. But, you know, he took all these pictures of these people who still ate all their traditional foods, lived traditionally, and they have perfect alignment of their teeth. And then once they start eating Western diets, their teeth get all, you know, jacked up and they start getting cavities. And I think it's pretty obvious that the common conception of what causes tooth decay and and stuff like that is... uh, is pretty flawed when you look at the work of Weston A. Price, or even if you look further back with uh, some of the um, anthropological studies where they've looked at, you know, remains from ancient peoples and they have these like perfect teeth, mm-hmm. you know, pre-agricultural um, societies have these perfect teeth. And, you know, there's no evidence of like toothbrushes or dental floss or they weren't going to see, they didn't have fluoridated water, you know, all <laughs> these things that are that are attributed to our, wonderful modern health, uh, dental health they just didn't have access to so it's kind of like well what you know it, it's almost like now they s- seem to promote the idea that your teeth as you age your teeth are just going to go bad mm-hmm. that's just the way it is you know there's all you can really do is go to the dentist and try and like put a band-aid on the problem mm-hmm. uh but realistically like if you really look at the evidence that's clearly not the answer it yeah. obviously there, there, there's obviously more going on there well, that's what they say about everything. As you get old, you're going to mm-hmm. get senile, dementia. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to become rickety. You can't walk. You're going to just get sicker and sicker and sicker until you die. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, well, even looking back a few generations, that obviously is not the case. Yeah. I think your comment about the uh, the diet is, is a huge aspect of it. Um, <clears throat> you know, since the advent of the sugar industry and, of course, uh, just general malnutrition i mean the uh i know this is a no-brainer that sugar is really easy to get but you know it used to uh before it was so widely distributed it was you know three horses and your firstborn child (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's uh yeah and and it's it's, if you look at um and of course oh sorry go you cut out there john oh sorry yeah I guess I'm having some mic issues, but I'm, I guess I'm, I'm just stating the obvious, uh, you know, that, that the uh, the prevalence of, of sugar alone would probably be enough to 
contribute to all the, the tooth decay. But, uh, you know, there's also malnutrition. People are not getting the proper uh, nutrients that they need to build their bodies properly. Yeah. I think it comes down to um, the products of agriculture. Once we became more dependent on a grain-based diet or other um, agricultural products and started decreasing the amount of animal products we were eating, uh, that's when you, you know you just look on the timeline and that's exactly where you see, as we mentioned in last week's show, stunted growth, but also all these dental problems start to show up. So you figure that grains um, contain uh, phytic acid and other anti-nutrients that end up binding up uh, minerals. And it's, it's no wonder that you start to see this evidence of, of degradation, uh, be that oral health or, you know, your bones or your health in general. So I think, yeah, sugar is definitely a big contributor. There's no question. But I think it's even like even just being reliant on um, agricultural products. Yeah, just sure. carbs in general, because uh, there's a bacteria in your mouth called Streptococcus mutans that actually mm-hmm. lives on carbs. So the more carbs you eat, the more that bacteria is going to proliferate and cause problems in your mouth. And then mm-hmm. the more you get away from meat, and which contains L-arginine, which mm-hmm. actually uh, helps stop the, the formation of cavities and dental plaque. Mm-hmm. So diet in general, yeah, like you said, Doug, I guess a more yeah. low-carb ketogenic diet is better for not just your health in general, but just for your mouth and your teeth. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, the the bacteria that live in the mouth, um, they, as, as you just said, Tiff, you know, they, they thrive. There are certain um, strains of the bacteria that do thrive off carbohydrates and sugars. And... Um, one of the articles was talking talking about how the stickiness of the plaque um, on your teeth um, basically keeps the byproduct of the bacteria on the teeth, which is it's like an acidic compound. And um, so, yeah, what this what this gradually does is is wears away at the enamel. So, so if you ever see someone's teeth and it looks as if they're sort of going see through, um, mine are still actually like that. Mine started to turn like that when I was about 14 years old, and they're still right at the bottom of the tooth. It's it's almost see-through. And Jeez. what they say that is, is that's that's the complete wear down of your enamel on your teeth. And eventually, mm. I mean, that's how that's how you do begin to get, um, you know, many of the dental problems. It's 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 the wearing away of the first defenses of the teeth. Mm-hmm. which allow these, these bacteria to thrive and, and essentially um, and then get into the teeth and cause cavities. Yeah. Well, the whole L-arginine connection is an interesting one. <clears throat> Excuse me. Where it, it's this amino acid that is found almost exclusively in meat products um, and, uh, and dairy as well. And uh, it's, it's very interesting because it actually um, helps to break up biofilms that uh, form on the teeth. So a biofilm is like a, um, a, a film of bacteria, which can, you know, there can be beneficial biofilms, but in a lot of cases, they're actually negative. And that plaque that, uh, that your dentist scrapes off with a hook um, is actually a buildup of that biofilm and, and all its kind of um, byproducts um, that the, the bacteria give off. So the arginine is actually able to break that down so it's interesting that um, that you know all these uh, 
vegan health people out there talk about how meat eaters, um, you know, their 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 teeth are going to rot, but really it seems like it's the other way around. It's the the arginine thing is interesting to me too because I uh, <clears throat> when I had shingles, I did a lot of research on arginine and lysine because uh, mm-hmm. viruses like the uh, the virus that causes shingles actually feed on on arginine. Uh, and when you take lysine, it um, it cuts off their ability to feed on that. And I had to cut out uh, all uh, food items for a while that contained arginine. And in that, Ooh. in my research at that time, it was not it was not meat. It was um, uh, nuts, uh, carbs, coffee, chocolate, things like that that are hmm. that are higher in, in arginine than than meat are, um, or than meat is. Yeah, so but that was just my own research at the time, and I did not do any like connections to dental health. So, um, right, I'd be curious. I think it probably uh, has to do with like a balance, you know, as with anything, I suppose, mm-hmm. um, striking a balance between all the amino acids so that they can work together. Mm. Well, yeah, so Jonathan, does does that mean that that we can eat lots of chocolate and drink lots of coffee, <laughs> and that'll somehow be good for our teeth? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That is exactly what I'm saying. Well, oddly enough, I remember reading um, a health guru guy who was um, he, he was very into like superfoods, and one thing that he said is that chocolate, like the actual cacao, is really good for your teeth. So I wonder what it, if that was the connection there that it, it contains uh, kind of a high amount of, of arginine, and uh, yeah, he even like had a toothpaste recipe, like a homemade toothpaste recipe that actually included cacao in it. So huh. I even tried it for a little while. It was, it was pretty tasty. That's huh. a toothpaste you want to swallow. Yeah. yeah, right. yeah no kidding, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just have a picture of brushing your teeth with chocolate and then having yeah. having cho- chocolate mouth. <laughs> <laughs> chocolate mouth is a healthy mouth. Yeah. <laughs> well, one thing that really surprised me when I was researching for the show was this article on SOT about how the benefits of flossing have never been proven. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been recommended since 1979, but I think uh, there were floss manufacturers before that time, but at least the ADA started recommending flossing in 1979. So some reporters from the Associated Press asked the Department of Health and Human Services for some evidence of why they keep recommending flossing. And this year, when they released the guidelines, the flossing recommendation wasn't in there. And (laughs) so it turns out that there's all these studies, but they're so-called weak and unreliable and don't even really show that flossing is effective. Like the studies didn't last long enough. They used too few subjects. They only used like one single episode of flossing. And they tried to say, oh, flossing is great. You should do it. But uh, it actually is meaningless, apparently. But then again, you know, flossing is like a $2 billion industry. So there's your answer. That actually really surprised me, though, because... um, because I'd imagine that if you get food caught in, in like in between your teeth, and that stays there for pro, like a prolonged period of time, I would imagine that it would have some sort of effect on 
the integrity of, of the tooth. Yeah, but- I'm going to draw a line between like getting food particles from between your teeth like you would with yeah. a toothpick and just flossing for, you know, oral hygiene purposes. Like I totally advocate getting crap from between your teeth if it's food, but like daily (laughs) flossing two times a day, maybe they say it has no advantage. I'm actually pretty excited by this uh, study because um, I I am a sporadic flosser at best. (laughs) I've always been somebody who like, I mean, you know, I, I get, I go in waves with it, I guess. Like once in a while, I'll kind of be like, yeah, I get on a flossing kick and I'm doing it regularly. But then other mm-hmm. times I'm just like, I don't know. It's almost like I just forget about it and, and don't bother unless I get something stuck in my teeth. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, I, I don't know that it's necessarily conclusive. Although interestingly, I remember the author, uh, Kate Shanahan, who wrote Deep Nutrition. She wrote an article that was actually like, not only that flossing doesn't necessarily do any good, but it's actually not good for you. And what she was saying is that basically what you're doing when you're flossing is pushing um, bacterial components down to uh, the gum line um, where the gum is quite weak and they can get absorbed actually quite easily. Mm -hmm. Um, And especially if there's any kind of uh, small amount of bleeding and just, you know, even if you don't see bleeding, there might be like kind of like minuscule amounts of it. So she was not an advocate of flossing. Mm -hmm. So I, I always thought that was kind of interesting. Well, even though I found the study interesting, uh, I mean, if you ever flossed and you got all this gunk from between your teeth, it does feel very refreshing to know that that stuff is not in your mouth anymore. (laughs) So, I mean, maybe it doesn't do anything to stop you from getting gum disease or anything, but I think it it just helps your peace of mind, maybe. (laughs) But I'm not a big flosser either. I'll do it like you... Doug, I'll just do it every once in a while when it crosses my mind, but yeah, yeah. But I do use toothpicks. Oh yeah, yeah. I sometimes do as well. If it, again, it's if it's usually if I think of it, which usually means there's something stuck in my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> I think the uh, the connection with um, disease is an interesting one too. If you want to talk about that for a little bit, uh, there's this article on side. Good dental hygiene may help prevent heart infection. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and just thought it was kind of interesting that the, uh, the let's see, a quote here, the incidence of bacteremia from brushing was closer um, than expected. Uh, this suggested that bacteria get into the bloodstream hundreds of times a year, not only from toothbrushing, but also from other routine daily activities like chewing food. So if you're not uh, keeping your mouth clean, now this is not, you know, like standard dental care. This is just, you know, day-to-day basically keeping your mouth clean um, that you can have a higher risk of disease because the bacteria can get into your uh, bloodstream and cause infections. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. again, I think we come back to, like, the diet and nutrition here because the best way uh, to keep your mouth clean is to not uh, eat things that promote, you know, the growth of the bad bacteria in your mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it is an interesting connection. Um, there's been quite a few, actually. Um, like a lot of people have written about kind of the connection between oral health and overall kind of body health. And that, um, you know, the root cause, like a lot of times uh, people are just suffering from these sort of unknown infections. 
And um, that can end up having like a, a really detrimental effect on your health in general. And it's like you can't, like a lot of times they can't really determine what is causing it. But a lot of the times it is some kind of oral infection that's, that's you know, it might be a low-grade oral infection that you don't even know is there. And um, that can actually lead to things like um, like heart problems, but also other, other um, organs can be affected as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the mouth mouth is also very close to the brain and um mm-hmm. and i'm sure there's there have been some links between um different types of infections in the brain like types of encephalopathy and stuff Enkef- encephalitis sorry um that have been linked with procedures such as root canals etc where they say the bacteria manages to get into the bloodstream um in the mouth and then travel directly to the brain. Um, so yeah. that's that's quite startling, and that's something that I don't think a dentist um, will will likely tell you about if you go to ask him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I probably don't even know. Yeah, I mean it's 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 kind of indicative of of how you know medicine is practiced these days. That each system is looked at as something completely different. Um, like a cl- almost like it's a closed system and doesn't affect anything else. So a dentist would probably never, you know, if you could, you could probably ask a hundred dentists if there's any con- uh, uh, connection between um, heart disease or heart attacks and uh, and oral health. And I imagine probably, you know, ninety nine of them wouldn't wouldn't make be aware of any connection. Well, sometimes uh, if you go to a dentist and you're going to have some procedure, they'll give you um, antibiotics. They tell you to take the antibiotics for a week before your procedure and then come in because they, I think they're aware of bacteremia. And mm. if I'm not mistaken, one dentist I went to did talk about like heart infections too, but no one ever yeah. mentioned encephalitis to me or any kind of like uh, blood brain barrier issue. But they also, you know, promoted mercury fillings too, so... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of the mercury fillings, I'm I'm trying to remember the name of that documentary. I'm, I'm sure that you guys have seen it. Uh, is a beautiful something where the uh, father and son traveled the country and they were looking into the Gerson therapy for cancer. Mm-hmm. And then the the whole documentary. I'll see if I can find it. But the whole documentary was, gen- it, it turned into kind of a thing about general, you know, holistic health. And they did a scene where they went to a dentist and he was, sh- you know, like a, a natural naturopath dentist who was talking about mercury fillings. And they had a, um, a filter that showed the mercury vapor and they had a, a, a tooth with mercury filling in it. And he was scrubbing it with a toothbrush and they were, it looked like there was smoke coming off of the tooth. Mm-hmm. And he yeah, said that that, that was... Seed. Yeah, so that was mercury vapors, and that happens every time you brush your teeth when you have these fillings. So, yes. you know, it's for somebody with uh, even a mild case of OCD that can be really bothersome. <laughs> yeah, it sounds absolutely. like you're a little bit worried about that. <laughs> yeah, I was um yeah. I was recently reading a study, um, and it was done on MRI scans. And it was basically showing how um, people with mercury fillings, the radiation that they're subjected to when they go for an MRI scan, um, actually it um, 
it almost energizes the mercury within the filling and it causes a, a similar problem, Jonathan, as when you brush it. But um, what they speculated was whether cell phone radiation would also do the same. Hmm. Um, there have been, you know, a number of studies showing that EMF does um, trigger this this enormous release of mercury vapor from from the fillings, and so hmm. um, so yeah, I just thought that was another interesting fact for someone who may. So nice, nice thing to think about. Yeah. So not only is uh, the EMF in and of itself damaging, but people have to worry that their fillings are actually leaking because of it too. Yeah. Well, the FDA says it's okay because the mercury that's in your average filling is too low of amount to cause any harm. But there's been studies that show that the vapor that's released from the fillings is associated with brain and kidney disorders. And, like, when you compare it to other composite fillings, not that they're 100% safe, um, but mercury is definitely worse. It's much more expensive. Like, you have to count the cost of uh, the damage to the environment, uh, your dentist having to clean it up, uh, all the precautions you have to take if you want to get it taken out, and then all the exposure. Uh, you know, If you get uh, mercury filling when you're a kid... I mean, there's no way that you would probably link, like, any kind of uh, medical problem that you had as an adult all the way back to your childhood of having, like, mercury mm-hmm. implanted into your teeth. And then all mm-hmm. the mercury in the wastewater. So it's bad. It's, I mean, it's not just the, the, uh, just the danger of having it in your mouth. It's all this other extraneous stuff that makes mercury fillings like really not something that anybody should ever ever get yeah okay i'm just gonna go into a fetal position in the corner i'll be back at the end of the show (laughs) well i read that they're like if you combine all of the mercury fillings and every american and european you get more than a thousand tons yeah Wow. Wow. Which is, yeah. I think it was more than the amount of mercury that's in circulation now or in other products or something like that as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, you know, I remember reading one time and I don't remember the source, so, you know, take this with a grain of salt. But apparently um, the dental industry um, has some of the highest suicide rates, or at mm-hmm. least did. Mm-hmm. When uh, I've heard that too. Yeah. Were more common. And they were attributing it to the, their mercury exposure. Yeah. Because I think mean, the fact of the matter is, it's like they, 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 if they're they're probably like in the back of your mind, if you've like, totally accepted the idea that mercury fillings are harmless, you're probably not taking a lot of precautions with like you know putting them in, taking them out, like mm-hmm. all that different kind of stuff, like the handling of it. So their exposure is probably quite high, and uh, yeah, one of the uh, the side effects of mercury toxicity is like suicidal thoughts. Mm-hmm. So. You know, well, connect the dots there. That's where the phrase uh, "Mad Hatter" comes from, because yeah. Uh, yeah. hat hat makers back in the day used mercury to like set the form. Wasn't that it? Mm-hmm. Of yeah. The hat? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, so they were getting exposed all the time. Yeah. Hmm. So if so you want to get your 
get your fillings removed, you have to take very, very, very special precautions and go to a special dentist, not just some dude down the street who says he can take them out. I mean, there's a lot of steps you have to take and protect yourself, protect all the staff in the dental office, dispose of it properly, and detox afterwards. Mm -hmm. The best to do is to get a vitamin C drip um, while you're getting it done. Because any any that does manage to get through then can be uh, detoxed, and having some kind of dam too that blocks uh, blocks you accidentally swallowing any of it mm-hmm. as it's being uh, removed. That's important as well. Yeah, there's um, there's also another factor that I don't think many people are, are aware of, um, and there's a few people that are talking about this now. Um, is the the, um, the type of light that is used to look in your mouth when they have the uh, mercury filling removed because mm. apparently um, when blue artificial light is used um, that actually reacts with the mercury vapor and makes it like uh, some crazy statistic like a thousand times more absorbable by your gums <laughs> um, and so oh, well. so there's a number of people who are stressing if you do get your your mercury fillings removed make sure you do it under red light uh, under a red bulb um <laughs> because it's yeah uh <laughs> it's pretty crazy and i don't think a lot of people actually know about that but that's something that you may want to consider as well if if possible jeez you know finding a uh, like a holistic dentist who actually does safe amalgam removal is difficult enough, but finding one who uses red light, good luck. Oh, my God. Maybe you would be better off with the guy down the street you were talking about there, uh, Tiffany. But the bad like, news sure, is... like, use this bulb instead. The bad news is the other composites that they use to fill your teeth have BPA in them. And there's an article in SOT saying that the BPA is no better than mercury because it leads to learning impairment and behavior issue and it crosses the blood-brain barrier and it's toxic to DNA. So I think, I mean, you can't go back in time or anything, but you might not want to get your teeth drilled into and filled up with something that doesn't belong there. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the question, right? Like, is, is there, you know, because I, when, when, all the stuff about amalgams when I was researching that and I was like, okay, the, the, the mercury amalgams are clearly bad. So I would automatically thought, you know, porcelain or some other composite would be better. And then reading this article where it says, oh yeah, by the way, there's BPA in this and you know, all the hormone disrupting stuff that we know about BPA. Well, that's not the worst of it. It actually crosses the blood brain barrier and causes all kind of psychosocial problems in kids and damages DNA. So it's like, is there such a thing as an alternative? Like, honestly, I think, uh, I, I think what it really comes down to is you have to start questioning the whole, like, drill it and fill it mentality that kind mm-hmm. of exists out there. And, you know, you can get me started here about, like, how, you know, dental, dental science hasn't, doesn't seem to have made a whole lot of progress in the, mm-hmm. how many hundred years it's been around. Like basically people are still doing the same thing, like putting mercury in people's mouths. Like that's like, so 100 years ago, like let's catch up here, man. Yeah. And I even, mean, the interesting, 
the interesting thing about that study on um on the dental composites, the alternative ones, is that they actually showed that in some cases the um, the non mercury fillings were actually worse. Um, they they caused more problem behaviours and um you know problems with like uh, neurological development and everything, and so <laughs> and and the way that I see it kind of is is that bpa is 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 a is a man-made chemical everyone doesn't know what bpa it's it's um it's called bisphenol a and if you don't know what it does it's a good idea to go and research what it does because this mm. stuff is really really toxic um and i'm kind of tending toward thinking that okay mercury is a natural um you know natural it but i don't know if you can actually detox bpa very well <laughs> you know <laughs> so if you do have to get a filling I, I really don't know which one would be best um, i would say neither <laughs> yes yeah seriously like honestly it's 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 i don't that's not a choice do you want bullet number one or bullet number two like honestly <laughs> it's not uh it's not a choice that uh that that should be made in that respect so maybe it would be a good time to try and kind of go into what are some alternatives say you go to the dentist he says you've got a cavity he gets the drill out and you're like wait i i want to go research this i want i don't want to do this right now mm-hmm. what should people do well first don't get drilled and filled because the actual act of drilling causes damage and once you get your teeth drilled and get it filled with either mercury or composite, you're basically just setting yourself up as a lifelong patient of your dentist or some other dentist. Mm -hmm. Because it damages the tooth, it causes uh, more cracks, so you're eventually going to have to get those filled down the line anyway. But there are natural Mm -hmm. ways to get rid of cavities that, of Mm -hmm. course, your dentist is not going to tell you about. And the first major one is xylitol. And we've mm. all, you know, been experimenting with xylitol as a sweetener, like mm-hmm. in bulletproof coffee or whatever, or in some paleo friendly baked goods. But you can actually, you know, chew xylitol gum or brush your teeth with xylitol. Not only does it help heal cavities, it helps heal gum disease too. And. Yep. This morning was the very first time that I just brushed my teeth with straight up xylitol. I just took like a, a like a half a teaspoon, put it in my mouth, let it mix in with the saliva, and brushed my teeth for like, I don't know, maybe about three minutes or so. Mm-hmm. My teeth feel super, super clean, like the cleanest they felt <laughs> in a long, long time. I'm not a big fan of toothpaste. Sometimes I'll brush my teeth with water. Like uh, before, mm. I use like a powder, but I found that like some people like make their own powders and they put like salt or baking soda in there. I yeah. think that's a little bit too abrasive. But once yeah. the xylitol melted down, you know, it was very soothing, and then my teeth felt really clean. And they say don't rinse your mouth out afterwards. You know, you can brush mm. your tongue with it too, and it you know cleans the white stuff off of your tongue. But uh, yeah. Xylitol yeah. helps cavities. There's been studies yeah. on it. Yeah, and I think that comes down to it's it's the the fact that xylitol actually 
breaks up biofilms, like we were saying mm-hmm. about the arginine. Um, xylitol is a natural biofilm breaker, breaker downer. Mm-hmm. I don't. That's the technical term, breaker downer. Yes, <laughs> and uh, it. Um, yeah, so I think I, I think really when you are kind of faced with this problem of cavities, what you really have to look at is the bacterial balance in the mouth, mm-hmm. as well as the overall health, like the holistic health of the entire person. So it really does come down to, um, you know, the the diet and and what you're eating, what you're feeding your bacteria, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I think uh, I mean obviously there's other things too. Uh, Weston A. Price who was a, a dentist um, in the early part of the 1900s. Um, we mentioned him earlier talking about how he studied all these different populations and, and looked at their dental health and compared that to the diet that they were eating. Uh, he looked at the different dietary components and he thought the things that were missing from the Western diet that was leading to all this uh, uh, poor oral health. Um, one of the major ones was fat-soluble vitamins. Mm-hmm. So your vitamin D, your vitamin A, uh, vitamin E, uh, vitamin K, those ones are all extremely important for, I mean, for overall health, but also for, for dental health um, and bone health. I mean, teeth are just bones, right? So yeah. the state of your teeth is pretty reflective of the, the state of your bones as well. So I think, um, you know, going on an animal, uh, animal food heavy diet and a particularly a fat heavy diet um, so that you're getting all of those fat-soluble nutrients. I know there's a lot of different protocols out there that talk about um, healing cavities, and, and one of the things they recommend is a fermented fish oil or any sort of traditionally fermented fish oil um, because uh, that is contains all the um, naturally occurring fat-soluble vitamins. You know, a lot of the, the fish oils that are out there on the market get um, purified, before they're uh, before they're bottled or uh, put into pills or whatever the case may be, and uh, you know, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it's good to know that you're not getting any kind of uh, toxicity in with it, but that also gets rid of all those naturally occurring vitamins mm-hmm. um, that you need. So they they talk about uh, using that as a component in um, a protocol for healing cavities. Yeah, as with all things, start with diet. Your mouth is not yeah. separate from the rest of your body. It's just the beginning yeah. of your GI tract. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And avoid grains too. Yeah. Because uh, grains and, and legumes as well, um, <clears throat> as I mentioned before, they contain phytic acid and those things will uh, strip minerals from your body. And lo and behold, your teeth are made for minerals. So if, you're, if a component of your diet is pulling those um, essential minerals out, then you can bet that you're going to be suffering in some way. And uh, your teeth are probably one of the first places that it's, you're going to start to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sugars. Um, sugars extremely acidic, so it decalcifies and demineralizes the structural content of the teeth. Um, and that includes fruit, especially citrus fruits. Mm-hmm. So um, oranges... Uh, take it easy on the lemons and the limes, you know, because um, that can really have a bad effect on your teeth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I remember when I was younger, I used to go through like 12, dif- 12 clementines or sat- satsumas, like the small oranges. I used to do mm-hmm. that sort of every single day. And I'd be too tired at nighttime to brush my teeth afterwards. Or if I did <laughs> brush my teeth, 
I'd have all this acid in my mouth and I felt like I was completely scrubbing away all of the enamel when I did brush my teeth. I'd wake Jeez. up in the morning and I'd just have this nasty, placky, just not very nice feeling on my teeth. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think, I think that's very common for people who do, do eat a lot of citrus fruits. Um, is their teeth really take a beating? Um, so yeah. 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 I think like we were saying, the bacterial balance of the mouth too is important because sugar feeds those bad bacteria and they give off acidic wastes. And then because they're, they're part of a biofilm that is in contact with the teeth constantly, that remains in contact with your teeth. So that's a, that's a, another aspect of it for sure. Actually, we've got a comment in the the chat room. Um, one person saying that uh, I've noticed that vitamin C helps my gums stronger. It makes my gums stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's true. Actually, vitamin C and um, vitamin C like compounds called bioflavonoids are very good for um, your vascular system. And um, part of the problem with uh, with with gums. Um, is that the the strength of the veins in the gums is um, can be affected um, by a general state of nutrition? So taking vitamin C, taking bioflavonoids, that can be very very good for the gums as, rest, as well as the rest of the the um, the vascular system. Yeah, it can help your gums sit a little bit more firmly. I mean, help your teeth mm-hmm. sit more firmly in your gums. Yeah. Yeah, there was another mention of bone broth. Bone broth, yeah, that would be an excellent thing to add to a protocol if you're trying to heal cavities. I mean, it's an excellent thing to add anyway, just because mm-hmm. it is so rich in minerals. And uh, um, that's really good for the gums too because it's got a lot of glycine in it. And glycine is uh, very good for all your connective tissue. So lots of good stuff in there that would be good. Another thing that's good for gums, if you have an infected gum, is white oak bark powder. Mm. it's not white actually it's kind of brownish and you kind of take some and you pack it into the infected area of your gum and you can leave it there overnight Mm. and uh, it has calcium in it and it uh, strengthens the periodontal fibers in your gums and it helps your gum stick to your teeth better so if you try that for a month there was a dentist I was reading online who said you try it for a month you notice in his patients that their their gums became stronger. Hmm. Wow, that's pretty cool. There's also, there's also uh, comfrey, uh, not necessarily for gum disease, but for uh, teeth. It can actually regrow bone. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, yeah, Jonathan, so didn't you say you were doing a swish with it at one point or something? Uh, yeah, I would pack it in basically just like chew hmm. for... Uh, give or take 20 minutes to a half hour uh, at a time. And it was one of those things, and I, I fully admit, a lot of the times I do things that are really good for me and then I just forget, you know, <laughs> or they drop off. And I'm like, hey, that worked. And I haven't done it in a year. <laughs> uh, so, but that was that was one of those stupid things uh, that, uh, yeah, it actually it actually worked. I could tell that it was starting to uh, to help my teeth. And I, I know from uh, from reading uh, anecdotes about comfrey. It's actually in the Guinness book of world records, uh, as being the fastest agent for bone healing, which is uh, strange that they would have an entry for that. But there was a nurse whose, uh, son 
uh, broke his arm, like clean through, uh, went to the hospital and, um, she, uh, basically like wrapped it in comfrey, gave him comfrey tea, uh, and then continued to do that for like five days and it healed within five days. It healed all the way through and it was completely, completely five days, five days. Yeah. Mm. That's amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, but you know, you basically like a hundred percent comfrey diet during that time. Um, but I, I know that it helps, you know, bone. Uh, so it may be good for anybody who has like tooth decay. I don't know if it would specifically help gum disease per se, but with the tooth, uh, it can help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's uh oil pulling. I don't know if you guys have ever done that, like with coconut oil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've tried that before. I don't know if yeah. I tried it for long enough to notice any real difference. But, uh, yeah. I think you have to do it for a while. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of weird. It's funny because, yeah, it is weird. I was just going to say that. It's weird. It's like, you know, you take a big spoonful of coconut oil, you put it in, you start swishing it. And they tell you you have to do it for 20 minutes, yeah. which is yeah. a little inconvenient. I mean, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe maybe I shouldn't be so hard on it or anything because it is actually supposed to be a very good thing to do for oral health. So, um, But, yeah, I found that I just kind of got to the point where I didn't really – want to do it anymore because the 20 minutes was just i don't know it was, it was too long maybe i'm just being silly yeah <laughs> well, aside from that, the, uh, that was a long time uh, i've done it for like yeah. 15 minutes sometimes but you have to be careful like with how much vigor that you're swishing this around because some people like me um <laughs> might get a little bit too um I don't know, forceful with the swishing. So if you just tone it down a little bit, your your jaws and your mouth won't get tired. Maybe you can do it for a little longer. But from Me what I've read, drink. it's a, a really good tooth whitener. If you want to get is, like yeah. tobacco stains and that off your teeth. Hmm. That's but, funny. I didn't I didn't know it was a whitener. It's funny because when I first encountered oil pulling. It just seemed like one of those things where it was listed as like panacea for every ailment you've ever had is going to cure your cancer. It's going to cure your arthritis. It's like going to detox all these heavy metals. It's going to like it just was just these completely outrageous claims. So the first time I encountered it, I was kind of like, yeah, that sounds like a bunch of BS. But, you know, then I started reading some more reason, uh, reasonable kind of, um, uh, reports on it and it was just talking about oral health and I'm like okay well that's a little bit more reasonable maybe maybe it actually does something I mean coconut oil has uh, antimicrobial properties so I can see how it could maybe help with uh, infections in the mouth or um, just kind of restoring the bacterial balance of the mouth or something like that or like you're saying whitening teeth that makes sense to me curing cancer um, maybe not no yeah I could see how coconut oil would remove uh, plaque because it's real. I don't know if you guys have ever tried any other uses for coconut oil, but my, uh, my girlfriend uses it to take her makeup off, and it works like a dream. Oh. And actually, a friend of mine, when one time we did a, um, a roofing project, removed roofing tar from his hands with coconut oil, came right off. Wow. Mm. No kidding. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Um, and... Uh, there's also the, I mean, aside from the obvious antibacterial properties of coconut oil itself, coconut milk, like coconut pulp, is actually very high in uh, in arginine. And I remember that that was one uh. of the things when I when I had the shingles. But the, uh, um, I think most of that is like extracted in the oil. So the oil itself may not necessarily be high in arginine, but coconut milk is. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think Somebody it mostly just oil pulling with the milk. Yeah, that that might be a thing. Yeah, I mean, I think most mm-hmm. of for the oil itself is high in uh, capric and lauric acid, if I remember correctly, and I think mm-hmm. those are the two things that do a lot of the cleaning that coconut oil yeah. does. Yeah, and it's also those are also the components that actually once again break up biofilms. Mm-hmm. So um, those are the the MCTs, the medium chain triglycerides that that you find in coconut oil, which I mean, might be also why it's good for for um, oil pulling. Well, traditionally, didn't they use uh, uh, sesame oil and sunflower yeah. oil for the oil pulling? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Coconut oil is a relatively recent. Use, I think, is just because I think everybody's really hot on coconut oil right now because of all the health benefits that are coming out about it. But yeah, traditionally, I think um, it, it comes from uh, Ayurvedic mm-hmm. medicine, and they they would use yeah sesame oil, sunflower oil, something like that. Yeah, so, so you can you can always use other types of oils. If you're sensitive to coconut, you can use sesame oil. Or... Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I'd be curious. Um, I know we had talked about this earlier and we kind of got off the, we're off the topic now, but, um, we haven't had any, uh, callers on the show in a while. And I think if, if any of our listeners have had, uh, mercury amalgams removed, I'd be really curious to have them, uh, call in and, and relate their experience. Uh, if you're listening mm-hmm. to the show on, on the site, there's a little red button there that says speak with the host and you can click that to call in. But, um, please, if anybody has, a a story about getting your fillings removed and what that was like and what they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'd be great. You could share that. Yeah. Or any other dental, uh, dental related <laughs> yeah. uh, anecdotes. Yeah. Like your teeth fell out. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Make sure you have a mic because if you don't, we won't be able to talk to you like this person exactly. that's trying to call in now that we can't get their media. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> So we had another article on SOT that I thought was pretty interesting um, that was mouthwash linked to oral cancer, Mm. Um, which was kind of a big, well, kind of a big surprise for me, but at the same time, kind of not. Um, But basically it was just, it was uh, in 2014, a study came out of the Glasgow Dental School that said uh, people who routinely use mouthwash are more likely... What was it? I'm trying to look for the actual figure here. They looked at 1,900 cancer sufferers and 1,900 healthy people. And they found that, I don't see the specific uh, um, stat right now, but basically that the the people who were using um, mouthwash um, were much more likely to have oral cancer than those who who weren't. Hmm. Hmm. So... If you're uh, using mouthwash as a way of foregoing brushing, <laughs> you might want to look look again at that. <laughs> well, I've read a while ago that most mouthwashes don't work anyway for what they're designed to do, mm-hmm. which is to freshen your breath and clean your mouth. They work for like 30 seconds, and after that, your mouth is back to the state that it was before you used the mouthwash. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that gets into like how, what causes bad breath in the first place. I mean, most people seem to think that it's, it's like, it, it's something about the mouth itself. And it might mm-hmm. be like, if you have a, a, you know, some kind of, um, 
altered bacterial balance in your mouth and it's causing some kind of stink, then yeah, or an infection that could certainly do that too. Old food stuck in your teeth. Yeah, old food might do it too. <laughs> but uh, it, a lot of the times, bad breath is actually coming from like an overall balance, um, in, in imbalance of uh, good bacteria in the whole mm-hmm. system, like including the stomach, including um, the digestive tract. Um, yeah. That you know that that altered flora situation, you know that that's actually what's causing it. So you know you swish a little bit of minty stuff around your mouth; it's not going to do anything for the rest of the body that might be contributing to that uh, that bad breath. Yeah, I just so, consider it bad breath as fumes coming up from your gut. Totally. That's yeah. how I think of it, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'd say um, if you've got bad breath, don't look for a cancer-causing mouthwash to uh, solve your problems. You need to look at the bigger picture. Yeah. What are you eating and what are you not digesting properly? Yeah, exactly. It's also, you know, the those mouthwashes that are on the market, all of them are basically like alcohol with flavoring in them. So I can see how swishing with alcohol is really not going to be all that effective and might actually cause some problems as far as oral cancer is concerned. Most of the ingredients on the back you can't even pronounce. So um, I'm sure at least a few of them get absorbed directly into uh, into your gums and then circulate throughout the system. So, I mean, it's fairly understandable um, as to as to why it, it may be linked up with cancer. Yeah, yeah. I, would, I would go as far as to say that they all get absorbed. I mean, the fastest way to take in any uh, any agent uh, through your mouth is sublingually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, you know, whatever you're switching around, it's all getting in there. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Well, one of the chatters asks about xylitol mouthwash. I would say that xylitol mouthwash is a good thing for all the reasons <laughs> that xylitol toothbrushes, I mean, toothpaste is a good thing. Yeah. I'd say make your own though. Yeah. Cause you don't know what kind of crap is going to be there in there. Swish it around. Dilute it. Yeah. Put some mint peppermint oil in there with it. Mm-hmm. Boom. Homemade mouthwash. <laughs> <laughs> well, another thing about xylitol from what I've read is that it makes your teeth less sensitive. And uh, it uh, reduces plaque formation and tartar formation. Yeah. So What's the difference between plaque and tartar? I think plaque is when it's still soft and tartar is when it hardens. Uh, Yeah, tartar is the, uh, uh, shoot, I'm going to mess up my terms, but it's like it's the calcified result of that biofilm. The calculus. Uh, Yeah. I see. Right. Um, so has anybody wait. had any root canals? No, thank God. No. Thank God, no, I haven't. Because that's kind of a bone of contention. Some people say that the root canals, you know, though not ideal, I mean, they're not going to make you drop dead. And other people say, don't get a root canal if you're, you know, if you were paid to get one, you know, shouldn't get one at any, any cost, like Dr. Mercola. But um, mm-hmm. from what I've read, I mean, it's pretty bad because it, uh, it removes the live pulp from your tooth and you, they replace it with some kind of synthetic material. So it'll stop your tooth from rotting away and you can save your tooth, keep your tooth in your mouth. 
but it does so much internal damage. And it's, you know, you're basically, you have a dead tooth in your mouth and there's no uh, kind of blood flow through that tooth. There's like all these tubules in your tooth and there's no flow through it. So you get this stagnant bacteria that just festers in there. Mm-hmm. And it leaks out into your bloodstream and causes all these, you know, hidden inflammation. Um, I think uh, Dr. What's his name? Uh, Geo. Now, what's something. the real famous doctor that did all the tooth studies we talked about at the beginning? <laughs> what's the you name? Price? Yeah. Ah. He had a patient who had like really, really bad arthritis. And she'd mm-hmm. had a, uh, I think she'd had a root canal tooth. So he took the tooth out and he did a really bad thing. He put it in a bunny and then the bunny <laughs> got like really bad arthritis and the bunny ended up dying. Wow. So, yeah, um, I don't know. And her arthritis cleared up. Her arthritis cleared up. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, all the nerves inside of this dead tooth that's in your mouth is basically dead. And it just becomes this breeding ground for bacteria and infection. But on the other hand, I've read that if you have a strong, healthy immune function, you know, a little bit of bacteria getting into your system from a root canal tooth is not going to kill you. So I'm just wondering what you guys think. Well, <laughs> not going to kill you doesn't exactly mean driving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I kind of I mean, see where... Is... Go ahead. I was Elliot. just going to say I kind of see where where you're coming from that if because ideally um if the immune system is working properly mm-hmm. then it should ideally be able to fight off any any bacteria you know like the idea that it's not the germ it's the um it's the environment you know it's it's, yeah. it's the it's, it's your bodily environment that determines whether you're going to get an illness it's it's not it's not any specific bacteria or anything so um yeah i mean I can see I can see where you're coming from with that. Mm-hmm. I I would disagree, mm-hmm. politely, um, because the fact of the matter is your your immune system has a, you know a limited capacity in what it can do, and if you have a constant strain on your immune system from uh, an infection that can't be dealt with by the body, and that's constantly putting that burden on the immune system, then you're facing the day every single day at like half your power. Mm-hmm. So. I would say that just by having that stealth infection, you are, you know, even if, even if your body is able to handle it, how much, uh, what else can it handle? You know, so any additional burden that it, that it comes under is, is going to be at half power. So yeah, I would say that, uh, I'd say it's a bad thing. And I would, I would say, you know, avoid root canals at all costs. I say do whatever you can to avoid uh, having to have a root canal like if you can do some kind of natural things to get rid of the infection and you don't have to get the root canal that would be great uh, yeah but who am I to tell people what to do I never had a root canal <laughs> I know I have to have one. I know I'm not telling people what to do but I'm just saying yeah, like, know. You know, one option is yeah. to just have the tooth removed Mm-hmm. You know, I think having, and I mean, it's not an attractive option, of course, because having a tooth removed is, is a bad thing, but you know, maybe you can, you know, one thing that, uh, has progressed a lot in the last hundred years or so is, uh, dentures. So, uh, maybe that would be a, a possible. Yeah. You uh, can get a, a partial or you can get a bridge 
or they have mm. implants now, which sound pretty scary. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to find any articles slamming implants, but who knows, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's just hope they don't contain any BPA. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Maybe you can get a, a, an implant donation, like somebody can <laughs> donate their tooth to you. <laughs> and then you have to worry about rejecting someone's tooth. Or maybe if somebody loses a tooth, they can put it on ice and keep it alive. And then insert that tooth in, so you'll have at least a living tooth there. I don't know if you, I don't know if would accept the transplant. That's probably why that rabbit died in the experiment, not because the tooth had disease in it, but because it was some human's tooth in the rabbit, and it didn't <laughs> been there. You think? Yeah, because he just put it under the skin. It's not like he put it in its mouth. He actually just like kind of inserted it under the skin. Yeah. So. <laughs> it shouldn't have been there. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, I was going to, uh, I'm glad that you brought up the, uh, the bridge thing. I was going to ask what you guys think about that. Cause I have a, uh, a relative who has some, some bridges and, uh, they seem to work, you know, it seems to be okay. Um, and I would think too, yeah, that if you, you know, at a certain point, as opposed to just kind of mashing things in there and trying to fill in the, the dead <laughs> tissue, um, just yank, you know, just get it out, just yank mm-hmm. the whole thing out, you know? And yeah, you might be, you know, you might be waiting, what, a month, two months, you know, for the new equipment. Uh, but in, you know, it's much better in the long run. I would think so. Yeah. So, well, I guess, uh, I don't know what do you guys think. Is it a good time to go to the pet health segment? We didn't yeah. talk about fluoride. Yeah. Does anybody have, have fluoridosis? Yeah. Does anybody have it, did you say? Yeah. That's I don't, you, I, thankfully. I don't, I don't think I have fluoridosis. Okay, good. I think I might have it. Hmm. Yeah, I yeah, might fluoridosis have it. Fluoridosis um, is a discoloration of the teeth. That comes from uh, chronic fluoride exposure. Yeah, um, it's yeah. like a speckling. Like you sometimes see kids, mm-hmm. and they have the, their teeth have this kind of speckled quality to them. It's like parts of them are whiter than other parts, mm-hmm. and that's okay. called uh, fluoridosis. And it's uh, yeah, it's it's from uh, chronic fluoride exposure. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I have that. Um, the white speckles <laughs> on my teeth. <laughs> yeah, not very good. Uh, where I grew up was that. quite heavily fluoridated as well it's a small village and um you know not not many please not many places in england um are fluoridated but this was unfortunately um and i noticed it maybe a few years ago and yeah um i think it's safe to say i've probably got fluorosis that's not very good i wonder if that's like how long does that last because you know i spent many many years of my life just drinking tap water um Mm. I'm curious, you know, because I have a little bit of that uh, speckling, not a ton, but I wonder, you know, is it something that, you know, you just get and you can't get rid of or can you reverse it? I don't know. Maybe if you're able to remineralize your teeth using all the means that we talked about, like all the broths and uh, oil pulling or 
using xylitol or things like that, maybe you can get rid of some of those white spots, but I'm not sure. I haven't seen many studies showing the after. My understanding is it's permanent, but who knows, right? Like, you know, a lot like mainstream science might, they've tried all kinds of chemical means of getting rid of it, but never actually looked at diet or anything like that. So who knows? Doug, you are determined to give me a panic attack today. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, man. (laughs) I'm the bringer of bad news today, I guess. I have all the news. So if anybody... We have have to remember that the the tooth is essentially, it's not some static organ, you know. It's fluid. It's constantly Mm -hmm. regenerating and constantly um, Mm -hmm. building, remolding, and then breaking down. It's very much like bone. And so I would imagine that it probably is possible to reverse it. I kind of hope that you can reverse it because I don't particularly like having speckled teeth. <laughs> but it, it's, it's, uh, what, what that signifies is something a lot worse is that there's a lot of fluoride in the body. Um, and someone, one of the chatters mentioned on the chat, um, he asked the question whether iodine can pull fluoride from the teeth. And I haven't seen mm. any studies on that, but um, I would imagine that it would be possible because mm-hmm. fluoride yeah. is part of the halogen family and um, iodine is also a halogen, but iodine um, displaces halogens from the body and excretes mm-hmm. them by the urine and the excrement. So I would imagine that that may be possible. Um, mm-hmm. it's something Maybe doing a swish, like an iodine, uh, diluted iodine um swish in the mouth that might actually work that's a good good idea yeah yeah well if anybody mm. decides that they still want to go to the dentist <laughs> after listening to this show <laughs> at least refuse the fluoride treatments that they offer you after they clean your yeah. teeth yeah fluoride is a pretty nasty element it's completely non-essential to the functioning of the human body but at some point, uh, science and all its wisdom decided that it was really, really good for teeth. So that meant that um, the uh, fertilizer industry, the aluminum industry, and the nuclear industry, probably other ones too, um, suddenly had a way of disposing of all their extra fluoride that was a byproduct of, uh, of the industry. So um, they started packaging it up as uh, sodium fluoride and selling it into municipalities to put into their water supply and providing it to dentists to do topical applications and sending it to toothpaste companies to put into their toothpaste. Um, it's and putting it in your Prozac, too. Issue. Oh, and in Prozac and in uh, there's antibiotics out there that use it as well. Mm-hmm. It's, um, yeah, and it is nasty stuff. Like fluoride, it's, it's incredibly toxic, although in the mainstream they would never admit to that um there's links to cancer um and there's uh it leads to it actually leads to lowered iq mm-hmm. they've actually done studies where they've shown that people who have um fluoride exposure are actually lowering their iq so think about that next time you go to the dentist but they love us they all want us to have a nice pearly white smiles <laughs> Yeah, and another interesting thing about fluoride, and it's possibly the most sinister um, aspect of fluoride, is that it's a dielectric blocker. 
Um, now, if anyone's familiar with the work of Gerald Pollock and the work he does on water, um, he talks about how water in the body is very different from water in your glass. And basically, that water has the ability to charge separate, which means that it can um, transmit an electrical current, essentially. It stores electrical energy. And, um, and what fluoride actually does is fluoride blocks water's ability to conduct that electricity. Um, so, yeah, fluoride is very, very, very toxic, and it's best to do all that you can to stay clear away from it. Hmm. Yeah. Try, try and stay away from it. And, and also, um, you know, we've talked in the past about um, iodine. We did a, a show on iodine with the author Lynn Farrow um, talking all about it. Uh, so there are ways of actually getting it out of your body if you have been exposed a lot. And I think most of us have. Um, either through the dentist, through fluoride toothpaste, or from the water supply, depending on where you are. So um, iodine can be used to get fluoride out of the body. Of course, you have to be very careful with it. You don't want to go too too fast, too strong with it, because uh, it can have a very powerful, packs a big punch. But um, yeah, I, I think uh, you know taking steps to get fluoride out of the body, as well as eliminating any exposure that you have now, are um, two good steps to take. Mm-hmm. So now we can go to well, the pet health segment. <laughs> now we've done it. Well, yeah, we've got a lot of good uh, tips here, I think, today. So let's uh, let's do that, and then we'll wrap up when we come back. Okay. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the pet health segment of the Health and Wellness Show. My name is Zoya, and today I'm going to talk about dental health of your pets. Dental disease is one of the most common reasons that your dog and cat may require costly surgical and medical treatment. The increased popularity of carbohydrate-rich processed pet foods in the place of a balanced fresh meat diet supplemented with bones can result in the accumulation of significant levels of plaque, Uh, on the surface of your pet's teeth, which in turn calcifies to become tartar. The tartar contains literally billions of bacterial colonies that invade the gums, causing painful gingivitis, and will ultimately erode the tooth root attachment, resulting in damage and tooth loss. Rotten teeth and gums are a modern disease caused by inappropriate diets, and the effects include pain, infection, immune suppression, kidney, liver, and heart disease, just to name a few. So, what can you do to help reduce the risk of dental disease in your dog or cat? First of all, you need to feed a balanced, fresh meat diet. Many pet owners uh, mistakenly believe that feeding dry food actually prevents dental disease, but the truth is quite the opposite. Are your teeth clean after eating a biscuit? A natural raw food diet based on fresh meat and raw bones will naturally maintain your pet's teeth and gums by creating correctly balanced saliva and an oral environment that naturally cleans and helps to prevent plaque formation. Bones are nature's uh, toothbrush. Raw bones play an, an integral role in dental hygiene for dogs and cats. The process of macerating the meat and bones actually massages 
the animal's teeth and gums to clean away any food residue or tartar development. This prevents plaque formation, bad breath, dental cavities, gingivitis and extensive veterinary teeth scaling and extractions. A good supply of calcium and other nutrients uh, during the early growth stages of puppies and kittens will also help to ensure strong healthy teeth. Feeding a raw food diet ensures natural normal acidity levels in the gut that naturally breaks down bones. A balanced fresh meat diet creates the right acidity levels in the gut to help pets digest bones uh, where many on-the-shelf products don't. And another thing you can do is check your pet's mouth on a regular basis. Gently lift uh, the flaps of your dog's or cat's gums and have a look, uh, a quick look at the teeth you can see there. Pay attention to the color of the gums, any developing lumps, signs of broken chipped uh, teeth and areas that seem look all look painful. Also ask your vet to perform an oral exam uh, during regular checkups so they can alert you to any existing or potential problems. And another thing you need to remember that bad breath is a precursor to other issues. Do not ignore bad breath in your companions. Usually bad breath either in cats or dogs with a repulsive odor can be a sign of serious health issue that has the potential to be damaging far beyond the pet's, pet's teeth, gums and mouth. Internal organs can be at risk if the bloodstream becomes compromised with bacteria from a dental problem. Looking at your pet's health holistically instead of a single current issue may save him or her from unnecessary pain and even death. Coming back to what you can do to prevent teeth problems. Cleaning your pet's teeth at home daily with a natural pet safe or homemade toothpaste is an excellent way to keep a healthy pet mouth. But please note, never use a toothpaste formulated for humans. Feeding dogs safe fresh vegetables and herbs like carrots, cucumber, celery, cilantro and parsley are fantastic to give natural ways to clean teeth, stimulate gums and freshen breath. Even though a cat's diet primarily requires animal protein, they sometimes do crave tasty veggies, uh, which are great for their overall oral health. Cat-safe vegetables, plain in, in small portions, include broccoli, green beans, and cook, uh, cooked carrots. Bad breath odor in dogs can be reduced or even eliminated by adding a couple of spoonfuls of organic virgin coconut oil to their food. Also good for healthy coat and skin and helps with digestion. So how exactly? The lauric acid in coconut oil has antibacterial, antiviral and antifungal properties that attack bad breath and gum disease caused bacteria. Well, this is it for today. Hope the information was useful. Have a great weekend and goodbye. All right, thanks for that. Those those goats sound like they have healthy teeth. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and nice, m- fresh-smelling breath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, um, so yeah, uh, I I uh, apologize. I have been stupid busy lately and do not have a recipe for today. So I guess Tiff has our, one. Oh, Tiff has one. 
Yeah, I kind of yeah. already did it. It's just xylitol. <laughs> xylitol toothpaste. <laughs> Take a, a half a teaspoon of xylitol, put it in your mouth, let it dissolve with your saliva. Brush your teeth for a few minutes and brush your tongue. Spit it out, but don't rinse. And depending on it, like if you think you have cavities, you can do this for about three times a day. And uh, you can also use a larger amount if you have some kind of periodontal or gum disease issue. Um, Mm. So do that uh, three to four times a day for about three to five minutes each time. And uh, try it for one to two months and see what happens. And you don't mix it with any other kind of like... uh, Not according to this recipe. No. Okay. No. Cool. And is that an abrasive too, to use like rough grain xylitol? No, because it's going to melt in your mouth and just become a liquid anyway. So it kind of doesn't matter. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, they say that actually using baking soda and salt and stuff like that can actually be too abrasive and yeah. actually can uh-huh. damage the enamel. They say that uh-huh. you should only do that kind of once in a once in a while as a kind okay. of a, a heavy duty cleaning. Sure. But uh, yeah, not something to do daily. But I wonder if you can mix cocoa powder with it. Have like a chocolate. I've chocolate heard <laughs> you can Sweet mix it chocolate. with coconut oil if you want yeah. something to go with and it, maybe some a cocoa oil. powder. If you want to, Doug. <laughs> I really want to brush my teeth with cocoa powder. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Doug, just go right to cacao nibs, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I got an abrasive as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Thanks, Jeff. That's something I'll have to uh, to give that a shot. I've been doing the um, the the salt and baking soda toothpaste for, mm. for quite a while, but I wasn't aware that that could actually, you know, like damage your... Yeah, that starts to annoy my mouth after a while. Yeah. Yeah. You've learned so much today, Jonathan. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm feeling good. I'm not panicking. I'm sitting up. I'm not in a fetal position on the floor. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, cool. I think we had a good show today. So thanks, everybody, for um, participating in the chat uh, and for listening. Um, be sure to check out the SOT radio show on Sunday at uh, noon Eastern time. Uh, and if you are not in the Eastern time zone in the U S as many people are not go to uh, radio.sot.net um, on Sunday and the, the time will be displayed there in your, in your local time zone. So it'll tell you when the show goes on the air. Uh, and that's all. We'll be back uh, next week. So thanks again, everybody. All right. Thanks, guys. See you, everyone.